and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. I am excited to share with you guys this morning. And one of the things, if you were here on Wednesday night, how many of you were here at prayer room on Wednesday night? Oh my goodness. Listen, in prayer room on Wednesday night, God did something special. We take two hours on Wednesday nights and we, we, we enter into prayer, worship, intercession, and something unique happened on a Wednesday night where usually it would take us about 45 minutes to really get into like this deep intercession where we're, we're praying and like something's shifting. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the whole atmosphere changes. On Wednesday night, it took us about 15 minutes. And like it was 6.15 and we're like, whoa, we're here. What's going on? And one of the things that, that we saw God doing is he was delivering. And, and one, of the, one of the things that I'm really feeling is God is asking us as his church, you are his church, right? Let's get this straight from the beginning. The church is not this building. Like, if you were to tell the New Testament believers, we're going to church, they'd be like, what does that mean? They were the church. Like, the church is you. It's a moving, living organism that is yoked to God, that is connected to Him. And what He's doing is He's delivering us. Like, corporately, we saw people literally be delivered. I don't know if you know what that means. That means that there are things inside that had to go. And like we saw God delivering and one of the things I felt so strongly that day is God inviting us to move from Christianity to being disciples of Jesus. Like I really feel this right now. We've made a lot of Christianity about us getting to heaven when the gospel is about getting heaven into us. Listen, I'm serious about this because if we relegate Christianity or the cross to us making it across some kind of finish line, that's great. That's good. All we celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We're not minimizing anything he's done. But stepping into grace and stepping out of what we would call bondage and sin, what was holding us back, is is elementary. The next progression in that is, Jesus, now what have you called me to do? It's understanding not just who you are, but why God has planted you on this earth. And it's not just to come to church on Sundays. I'm so glad you're here. Like, I'm so glad you're here, and and as family, I believe this is an essential part of what it looks like to be a Christian. When we gather, God does something together that we can never have apart. I believe that. There's something special and unique that God gives to us as we gather together. But if we make Christianity about being just morally righteous, about like, well, we come and we feel really good about ourselves because we don't cuss no more, and we don't do this, and we don't do that, that's great. But on the other side of being a disciple of Jesus, there's an amazing life that God is inviting you into. And I was thinking about this. How many of you guys have watched The Chosen? A good bit. The Chosen is this incredible show. I'm not here to evangelize it, but it did, but it did show me something, right? It's a show about the life of Jesus, and he called his disciples. And one thing I noticed, which is a little bit different from what I see in the church today, is when Jesus would walk up to his disciples... And it wasn't often, like, at different points in their lives, he would meet them, Matthew, John, and all of them. And he would, he would, he would say this. He would say, come follow me. And as he cast this invitation before these disciples, you saw some of them drop nets. Matthew, the tax collector, leaving money, leaving a good job, leaving security. But I never saw any of their faces be like, oh, this is hard. Like, oh, Jesus, you want me to fall? I never saw that. Like, as they were describing this invitation from Jesus, all of them were just honored. They were like, oh my, he's calling me to follow him. Do you you see the difference? 
like we've painted Christianity like uh, it's all about everything you can't do. You can't do this. You can't do that. And then we've spent the last few weeks unpacking this. We, we, we answered the question, what does God want? He wants to be married to you, right? You are his bride. He is the bridegroom. And last week we talked about expectancy. But it's really hard to expect if you don't know what you're expecting for. And there, the reality is, I know a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of times people like to skip over certain parts of the Bible because they're hard, right? Have you ever read something like, I don't know what to do with that? But I think this is the season as God is calling a remnant people, like he's calling a remnant people, meaning a people that are set apart and they've chosen to cement themselves and anchor themselves in truth. And that's why there's a separation. If you've been in church, you feel like there's a separation, right? There's like this. Why do we feel like this chasm? It's like God is separating the true followers. And this isn't excluding anyone. If you're here, I believe you're called to this. Listen to my voice. I believe if you're here, and I believe there are many churches that they're calling people into being true disciples of Jesus. But that looks like something. And it looks more than just repeating words. I'm telling you, it's a good, like, we, we've relegated the gospel to this. Repeat after me, say the words that I'm saying, and then go live however you want, and you're going to make it to heaven. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a beautiful invitation to live a life that you can never live apart from, apart from him. It's an, it's an invitation to receive grace, but grace is for a purpose. And it's not just to get out of hell free card. Grace empowers us to live differently. So some of us, we have refused to step into the fullness of the gospel. When Jesus says, you are my disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the devil, cleanse the leper. Got some air on there, man. I lost some, I've lost like 60 pounds. I'm a little bit higher now. He meant it. It wasn't just like this. Sometimes we read that stuff. We're like, no, 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 that was for them. No, no, that was for you. It was for us to step in. So I want to, let's open up our Bibles to Luke 9. Hey, I, this is not in the computer, Keely. I'm sorry. I just all changed during worship. I might go to Matthew. In Luke 9, you see Jesus doing his thing. He sends out the disciples, and the disciples go out, and he's giving them description on how they should go. Don't take anything with you. Don't take bag money. He's talking about living in faith. And then you see him feeding the 5,000. You've read this story. He separates them. He teaches them, and then he distributes, and he, does, he multiplies. This is the nature of God. Everything that his hands touch, it multiplies. It's the nature of who God is. When you put something, that's why we invite you to give. When you put something in God's hand, the nature of that thing is it multiplies. But then he asked the disciples, it says, verse 18, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him. And he asked them this question, who do people say that I am? And he's confronting them because there are a lot of people that had a lot of ideas of who Messiah was. For hundreds and hundreds of years, everybody was waiting on Messiah. For some people, Messiah was going to look like this conqueror that would come in and overthrow Rome. And for some people, Messiah looked like this humble, but, but here's the point. To every single person, they had an idea of how Jesus was going to come and how he was going to manifest himself. And when Jesus came, the reason so many were offended, the religious, even the broken people, they could not understand how Messiah, Jesus, would come and want to engage with them. They would separate themselves like, no, 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 I'm not worthy. You see this many times. And so Jesus comes to the closest people 
Come on. If you're here, I believe you're some of the closest people to Jesus. That's our goal. It's not to be close to abide or to it's to be close to Jesus. But but he goes to the people closest to him and he says, who do you say that I am? And this is the question God is confronting us with as the church. As his, as his bride, who do you say that I am? We talked about this last week. We got to be careful that we don't make a theology, an ideology, or that we allow circumstances to change our viewpoints of who God is. Right? We talked about this. Some of us have struggled with singing things like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, because we haven't been provided for at times. We haven't felt like he's come through at our timeline. But the, but the great tension for us is to allow truth to land in our hearts. I'm not going to allow that circumstance to dictate my view of God. I'm going to anchor myself in truth. And I'm going to call truth into my situation to see something change. And so he's asking them, who do you say that I am? And you got to know, uh, all of the 12 probably had different answers. There was different, different responses because they were, very, they were in varying places in life. But he confronts them with this question, who do, peop, who do people, well, he says, who do people say that I am? And then he said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're one of the ancient prophets risen. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? That was 20. And then Peter replied, Peter stands up and he replies. And he says, you are the Messiah, the sent one from God. And so finally truth hits Peter's heart. And now the revelation of who he is, you are the Messiah, the one true Christ is in front of them. And I want you to see that from this revelation of who Jesus really was, he gives them instruction. I want you to see this. He didn't give them the instruction until they had the revelation that he is Messiah. This is important. Because you need to understand who Jesus is to you before you ask him to launch you out. So Jesus warned his disciples, do not tell anyone who he was. The son of man must suffer terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised up. And then he says this, he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, he must turn from his selfish ways, take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24, you know, many people take that verse many different ways. Here's what it is. It's like it's a dying to self. Yeah. It's like there's this selfish way. I'm not even talking about sin nature because I really do believe when you say yes to Jesus, that thing dies. Yes. But just because, you, just because that sin nature has died doesn't mean that the world won't push selfish motives on you. Right. Verse 24, I want you to hear this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you want to give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are yourself lost or destroyed? And then he drops this bomb on them. Here's the way for you to gain your life. If you want to gain your life, you got to lose it. And he flips around this whole thing where it's like, hey, listen, if you really want to be my follower, your life cannot be centered around you. I know this is hard. This is like so anti-American. It's like, oh, no, 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 I want to feel good. Listen, I want to share with you the best way to feel good about you is to give your life to him. Yeah. I'm telling you, we've been, taught, we've been told this lie, like following Jesus is this terrible, miserable yoke. When living a life fully yielded to Holy Spirit by the power of God is the greatest thing for you. He will provide for you. He will lead you. And you're on this adventure. I want you to catch this. Living with Jesus and following him is a beautiful adventure. Even within your nine to five context, he is wanting to be seen. 
He is wanting to, to interact with you, not just on Sunday mornings. But here's the deal, man. There is a cost to following him. There is something to be said about making a choice, about saying you are worth following. And that's the real tension. So many people want to get stuck on, well, I don't know about that. Pick up your cross thing. We don't pick up our cross. Jesus picked. I get all that. But at the end of the day, all he wants from you is, will you follow me? Like, will you be my disciple? Will you allow me to lead you along still waters and green pastures? Will you allow me to, to take all the stuff? How many of you know there's stuff on the inside? There's stuff on the inside that God is wanting to work out. And I fully believe this. You will never have a revelation of God as provider until you allow him to provide. God will allow you to try to be your own savior. He will allow you to try to be your own provider. He will allow you to go your own way because what that does is it shows us, it makes us aware of our key need of him. I want to remind you, the Bible is clear that we did not choose him, he chose us. And for many of us, it's so easy to walk away because we think that it originated with us. We forget that God was the initiator. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I was 16 and he met me. When I was angry and broken and alone, this is the problem. We forget. Being a disciple of Jesus is simple when you're reminded of what he's brought you from. It's like he really becomes the treasure in the field. He really becomes a pearl. That's what it talks about. A man finding a pearl and selling everything to purchase that one thing. Because he has become everything to us. Are you, are you with me? And I believe that as, as disciples, there's a differentiator. Like when you go through certain places, when you, see a, when you see a logo, it speaks to us, right? There's a few logos in the back. I just want to give you an example. What does this mean? Both of those. Just do it, Nike. What's the next one? Praise God. You feel that? The Holy Spirit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the next one. I'm going to bring you right back down, McDonald's. No. <laughs> Got to balance it out. Some life with some death. No. Here's, here's my point. When we see things, they speak to us. And my plumb line point for today is I wonder when people see the church what they think. Like when people drive past, when people interact with us and we say, no, 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 I'm a follower of Jesus. What does that mean? You ain't going to go to McDonald's and order a taco. Because you know what's made for burgers. They're not great, but they're burgers there. And for some of us, we're asking Jesus, as disciples, I want you to see that there has to be this paradigm shift. As we're following, he's branding us. And so I believe that if there are people who are hopeless, the answer should, should be the church. If there are people who are sick, the answer should be the church. If there are people who feel without purpose, the answer should be the church. us. And what I'm, what I'm believing he's wanting to bridge and to gap for us is for us to understand that it's not the job of six pastors to facilitate church. Like if we all understand that God has called us, the same Holy Spirit that's in me is in you. You believe that? The same Holy Spirit that's in me, not that I'm anybody special, is in you. 
The same Holy Spirit that's in that YouTube preacher, the person like they're anointed, it's in you. The difference between them and you is they've taken risks. They've counted the cost. They've made a decision. I'm going to live my life around this thing. I better move on. I'm trying. I want to read to you a couple of more. This is Matthew 8. I'm actually going to go there because there's a, there's a portion of Scripture. Jesus heals many people. And in the middle of all this healing, which, you know, a lot of times, I'm not going to say that. Jesus is healing all these people. And so he had, you got to know, anytime Jesus healed, there were humongous crowds of people around him. And in the midst of what would have been a great moment for recruiting, Jesus is about to hit them with the, hey, you might not want to follow me. Like he's separating the wheat and the tear. He's separating the real and the unreal. Those that are fans and those that are followers. And so when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples, this is Matthew 8, 18, to go on the other side. Then one of the teachers of the religious law said, teacher, I want you to see this. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Wherever you go, I go. This is a prayer I've prayed. And it's a really cute prayer until God tells you to sell everything and go to Africa. It's like cute. It's like, and then, and then you go from Africa to Mexico, and then from Mexico, like, I'm here, I'm a missionary. He's like, go to Lithia. I'm like, oh, Jesus. So here's the guy making a declaration. Anywhere you go, I'm going to follow you. Jesus speaks. He replied to him, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of God has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, Lord, first let me go home and return to bury my father. But Jesus told me, follow me now. Say now. 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 Follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. And we read the scripture like, man, it sounds harsh. I don't know what to do with that. But, but, but I think the central point that Jesus was trying to get to is this. There's always going to be an excuse not to follow me. There's always going to be an excuse to, to, to not like, I think, I think the biggest issue we have today is that it's easy for us to look at other people and say, but I'm doing better than them. I pray a little bit more than this person. I pray for the sick a little bit more than that person. I get on street corners and, and what stops is like, it's like for a long time, my gauge for being a good father was just being a little bit better than my earthly father. And one day I felt like, well, I'm doing a really good job. Not that there's anything wrong with my earthly father, but that was my gauge. And one day God's like, why don't you dream a little bit bigger than that? Like, why is your gauge for success a little bit better than something earthly? And what Jesus was calling them into was this deeper relationship of realizing, no, no, no. Listen, I'm not going to put my agenda before your agenda. And there's always going to be something that's going to be requiring of me. How many of you feel that? There's always something requiring of you. There's always something tugging and pulling at you. And in the midst of that invitation, what I want you to see is Jesus saying, hey, follow me now. Him saying, listen, I want to invite you into divine fellowship with me. I want to use you in ways you've never. I remember, I remember a season in my life where my, my father-in-law, their pastors, they lived a life of faith. It was just like, I just didn't understand. One day I sat down with him and I was like, how do you live by faith? And he laughed at me. Oh, he laughed. It's freaking rude. I'm trying to like be sincere here. I want to live by, he's like, there's no book on how to live by faith. You just got to do it. And then like God calls us, you, you know what? You know how I went to Africa? Let me tell you my great confirmation. I was laying on my bed 2013. I think my wife was actually in Amsterdam. 
And I'm talking to God. I'm saying, I want to go to Africa, but God, it's just too much. We have a one-year-old. I don't understand. It's scary. It's scary. Some of you are like hindered because you think, well, if God calls me, I shouldn't feel afraid. It's foolishness. If you're afraid, go afraid. Allow God to lead you. So I was laying on my bed. I'm like, God, I need a confirmation. And there was this song playing. It was actually a Bethel song. And in the moment I said that to God, I need a confirmation. Jen Johnson is singing, and she sings these words. If you want it, come and get it for crying out loud. And I was like, that's it. Some of you are like, that's stupid. I'm, but it got us there. And I believe God is speaking to us all the time. I believe the invitation, that is just as much an invitation for me to be a disciple as anything else. We would not be here today, but what I'm saying is there are these small voices that are constantly speaking. And they're inviting us into deeper fellowship with Jesus, which I believe being a disciple of Jesus is about deeper fellowship more than it is about a class. We're like, well, you want to be a disciple? Come to my discipleship class. And the discipleship class is good. We're going to be doing classes on Wednesday nights. But the point of the class is to lead you into greater fellowship with Jesus. It's to live in this divine relationship with him where we trust him, where we trust him. But the issue is there, there, are, there, are, there are competing voices. You hear the competing voices in the, in the book of Matthew. Like, I want to follow you wherever you go, but I got to do this. I want to follow you, but I got to do that. And I want to say to you in all love that the season that we're in is not a season of buts. This isn't a but season. Like, this is a season for us to push all of our chips in. I really believe that, I, listen, wake up for just a second. I really believe that Jesus is coming soon. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the field. They don't worry, make clothing. Yes, Solomon, all of his glory. But then he says this, verse 31. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? I want you to see verse 32. Well, don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we wear? The worries of life. And he says this, Why? These things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Nobody wants to make eye contact. <laughs> oh, because I'm just going to be 100% vulnerable. These are things that I've worried about. I don't know about you. Maybe you got it all figured out. But like, I got two young kids. We got, we got responsibilities. And I read scripture. Like, I don't know what to do with that because I feel like I'm being irresponsible. And the reason we feel res- irresponsible is because we feel like we're the responsible ones. Are you alive? I'm trying to take all of the pressure off of you and put it on God to be God. This is why you won't say yes to being a disciple of Jesus. Because you think that the machine that it runs on is you. Instead of understanding that being a disciple of him is about him. He sustains, he guides, he provides, he leads. And when you see Christianity, discipleship through that lens, it wouldn't, I believe that's why it was easy for the disciples to say, oh, I'm going to let go of this crap. Yeah, it was easy for Matthew to leave the money, the tax collector, all. Yeah. It was easy because why? They saw Jesus and they believed that's the best thing for me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here's, uh, I'm laughing because it's funny. Because, I'm going to tell you why. Because when you get down to the whole root of the whole thing, your willingness or unwillingness to follow Jesus is all based off of this question, is he really good? 
will he really provide? Does he really heal? It all, all, that's why we spent three, an hour today singing about God's faithfulness and his goodness. Because all the world is telling you the opposite of that. Take care of yourself. Do you, boo-boo, whatever it takes to get past anybody else. That's what the world's telling you. And then you hear this kind of message, you're like, I don't know about that, bro. It just doesn't, doesn't feel right. But I believe what God's inviting us into is to, is to realize that he is good. And saying yes to him, it's like some of us, we're still wrestling. I just feel this. We're still wrestling with what we've have, had to give up to follow him. And it's a perspective issue. Because when you really have him, like when you really have him, you will realize that all that other stuff, Kavi was talking to me about this. He was talking about that scripture. I, I have regarded everything rubbish. Paul says this, I have regarded everything rubbish. And he was talking to me how that word is almost like, it's almost like a vulgar word. It would, it's like dung. It's like, it's not a cute word. Rubbish is a cute word for it. I'm not going to say what Covey said it was, but <laughs> you're going to have to go ask Covey that. But here's the point. It's like he looked at his life and he realized all of that is compared to knowing him. And that's the fundamental thing. It's like, here's the question that I want you to answer for yourself today. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? Sometimes it's tough because when Tyler's leading worship and Destiny in Covington, it's easy to be a fan in that moment when we're singing about all the good stuff. But you figure out I had to figure out when, if I was a real disciple of Jesus, like in 2014 when my wife had two miscarriages and was depressed for a year and a half. Or like in moments where we're, we've sold everything, we've sold everything to go to Africa and we're still $3,000 short. And everybody's looking at us like, oh, I knew he missed it. I knew he missed it. And then we're like leaving on like Tuesday and God provides it on Wednesday. You want the Africa story? Go on that. <laughs> but, but it's like, you look back now and it's like, I'll do that over and over and over again because he's worthy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Covey, can you come up? Yeah. That's some mood music. I want to just the best mood music ever, bro. <laughs> so much pressure. I want to pray over you. I'm going to have Prophetic Company come up. Let's stand. I just want to make one thing clear as we end today. I want you to know that there is a grace for any person today that wants to step out of that, going through the motions. But I do believe there's something powerful about taking a step. It's like, I don't know about you, but I decided to go on a 40-day fast like every other night at 2 o'clock in the morning. Go on a 40-day fast. And there's something beautiful about like going up to somebody saying, hey, I'm doing this. There's a different level of accountability. 
And for some of us, it's like we've made the internal decisions like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. I'm going to have faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to move out. But it's like we need to partner with someone in faith to be able to move away from that thing. So I'm going to pray really quickly, simply that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. And then I believe Prophetic Company is going to share really quickly and then invite you up. But listen, I just want to make it clear, this time where we have this team up here, it's not just to respond to the message. If you need prayer for sickness, for family members, if you need, if you need a partner in prayer for anything directionally in life, that's why these people are here. So I'm going to pray over you. Father, I pray a grace over every person today. God, that they would move from, from being just mere Christians to disciples. And I thank you for the journey that's there. Father, I thank you that there's no shame, no condemnation over anyone in the room. Simply an invitation to step into fellowship with you. To step into friendship. That's what God wants. Will you be my friend? Friends spend time together. Friends grow together, cry together. They laugh together. Will you be my friend? Father, let the cry of every person's heart today say yes to friendship with Jesus. Father, I ask for grace as some need to step out today to partner with you that they would do that. I thank you, Jesus, that loving you and following you is the best thing in the world. Thank you, Father.